<laughs> Who the fuck are you? I've been in high spirits today. Yeah, that's pleasant. That's good to see. It's good to... Is this recording? Why? Never mind. <laughs> Dude, you don't even... You're finally happy after four seasons of podcasting. You're happy and you don't want to tell everybody why? I, I, I didn't say I was happy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, us. <laughs> Remember when we used to just say whatever we wanted on this podcast? Those I never were, did that. Those were the days. I never did that. Nah, you did a little, a little bit more. Sometimes I read the shit that I say to you in our chats on Facebook, and I'm just like, <laughs> fucking, if people knew, <laughs> like, pe- people's perception is that I'm the more measured one here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the case. <laughs> I just have a career to, to protect. Yeah, yeah, you'd think that, like, I was the unhinged one, IRL. <laughs> But, uh, you know, don't believe what you read in the papers, kids. Hey. <laughs> Dan. <laughs> here we are um, reviewing another Ben Affleck movie. The season finale. Um, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Movie Blues podcast. I'm Dan Lyons. I'm Gordon Wood. And Dan's going to do that a lot and a lot of other things that I'm not going to appreciate during this episode. Which You ever spo- read Gordon Wood? Sponsored by Seagram's Escapes, Gordon Wood's favorite drink. Oh, let me hit this shit. Oh, 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 yes, yes. Oh, Patty, I love you. (laughs) Um, Dan, do you want to explain who Gordon Wood is so that when you do all of the references for the episode, people will at least. Anyway, I don't know who the fuck Gordon Wood is. He wrote some shit. But all I know is the guy in Goodwill Hunting regurgitates some shit from him, and Matt Damon yells about Gordon Wood a lot. Yeah, you everyone read Gordon Wood. That's all I've ever taken away from this movie for fucking twenty years. Whenever anyone says Goodwill Hunting, I go Gordon Wood. Hilarious. I I I, I feel it. <clears throat> um, today we're going to do Goodwill Hunting, a movie I've spent Red Pill Hunting a long time trying to avoid. You've never seen so is this one of those things where we have a running theme where you're like I've never seen this I've never seen this and then five minutes into watching it you're like oh I've seen this that's how memory works man yeah, yeah I'm saying don't try to nail my did ass that for that this time? no I've so, not seen Goodwill so Hunting. you have no like childhood or adolescent like nothing frame of reference for no this. connection to this one at all that's rough um this is gonna be a rough one folks this is going to be a rough one <laughs> strap in everyone because goodwill hunting is dan endens would you say one of your favorite movies of all time no well you're killing the tension now i'm sorry i mean i think it's i think it's a very good movie but i it no it doesn't it, i'd say it's in my top give me a number i'd say it cracks the top 50 okay all right let's Fucking do this. Casey Affleck's fucking terrible in this movie. Yes. <laughs> terrible. 
Welcome to the Battle of the Axeheads. Um, <laughs> ben Affleck in this versus Ben Affleck and Julie. Versus Ben Affleck in like, uh, mostly every movie he made from that period of time where he was doing something between Jersey and Boston. Yeah, I like his accent in uh, Dazed and Confused. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? One of his best performances, probably, Dazed and Confused. Um, his hair is very well quaffed <laughs> in that movie. Um, right, so... Before we get into this, should we do the Jeopardy thing? Or do you want to just get into this? Do you got anything good for Jeopardy? I got I got a little something, something. Okay. Well, you want to do it? Yeah. All right. Here, uh, as always, is 30 seconds longer than we usually last, a segment in which we talk longer than we can come um, <laughs> about whatever we want, God damn it! because we earned this. I just want to say I just watched the entirety of Entourage. Um, as well as <laughs> as well as the feature the, the feature film movies bland to entourage very bland um, I just have a I just want to say top ten greatest shows ever Jeremy Piven is a fourth and all these goddamn fucking woke Huffington Post tweens who weren't even alive when the show was airing need to stop with their fucking revisionist history trying to take this show down. You're starting to sound like me. They're going to reboot it. It's going to be great. Um, Ari Gold, top, top five characters of all time. That I... Five is a lot, but I agree. And also, OnlyFans is making a huge tactical error currently. I'm done. <laughs> That's it. He's done. <laughs> what did you say that tactical error is, Dan? I don't know if shutting down their entire fucking business seems like a poor business move. Dude, the fucking people who show up in Entourage. Malcolm McDowell, bro. This You forfeited your time, sir. I just want to talk if about If you Entourage. wanted to talk about Entourage anymore, you should have done it up front. I, I'm just trying to drag you into it. You understand that? No, that's me talking. Now I'm trying to get you, you into a conversation. Do you understand what I'm saying to you about fucking Entourage? I do love Entourage. Great show. Um... And I'm due for a rewatch. I wanna, I wanna get Rachel into it, but I just don't know if it's gonna work. But I think there's, there's enough like movie superhero, like insider Hollywood plus L.A. settings. I think it'll. I started I think watching we'll it on my own time, thinking there was no chance in hell that Kat would want to watch it. And you never know. She sat and watched that entire fucking ser- series in three weeks with me. Um, I guess I'll do one. Um, hi, I'm Dan Lyons, and um, lately I've been enjoying a couple things. Um, one of those things is uh, the comic Invincible, written by the guy who made The Walking Dead, which was adapted into the, one of the worst series of all time. Um, and um, it's incredible. The show is incredible. I'm actually going to take my whole time to talk about superhero garbage, Dan, if you want to go take a nap or something. <laughs> and, I'm already uh, drinking. Um, and... Um, <laughs> Uh, other than that, Suicide Squad. Uh, watched it again because I enjoyed it so much the first time. Still holds up. Really, really amazing movie. Can't recommend that enough. I really think everybody should check that out. It's hilarious. It is hard rated R as far as you could possibly go in that kind of movie. Is Ben Affleck in it? it uh, thankfully, he is not. Um, That's and, Batman, you know. <laughs> and uh, other than that... Um, We've been watching a lot of Fringe. Great show. Friends? Fringe. Oh. Uh, it is the J.J. Abrams joint. It is the uh, little brother slash sister series of Lost. Um, a lot of the same collaborators, writers, directors from that show came over to Fringe. 
We've been talking about great show. Starting Lost and see if I can, for my fifth attempt, give it a fair shot. Lost has been like my Twin Peaks. Join me, baby. Like I watched into it because me and Rachel about the soon as Fringe is over, straight to Lost. I watched the first season and a half, and that's basically where I get to every time. I, I didn't know if I knew that about you. I, I haven't showed you my Lost collection. I have the. I know. I know you're a connoisseur. I'll show you after the this record. But when Lost ended, they put out a, a Blu-ray set of every single episode that is the most elaborately packaged Blu-ray that I think I still have ever gotten. Well, it's this big. I mean, I'm holding my hands out wide. You can't tell um, from this. Can but I um, just borrow that so I can watch it in HD? But I'm going to be watching it. Uh, so I'll, I'll stay like one disc behind you. <laughs> that would be interesting. I'll just like, I'll do the first season and then give it to you. Yeah. Each, each time we record, I'll give you a new season. Fantastic. <laughs> It'll keep you coming back. Show's so fucking boring. Um, uh, Wrong. And... Um, <laughs> But I will say Lost, um, it does have some major issues. Uh, I just happened to be there on the ground floor the day the show premiered, and my obsession level with it was insane. Um, What's the main guy, that main actor's name? Is that Matthew Shepard? Matt, no, that's, no. Matthew. It's a little bit, that's his character name, I think. No, Matthew Shepard is um, the Sh- gay kid that got murdered in... Yes, and then Jack Shepard is his character from Lost. Okay, so what's his character? <laughs> what, what the name is Speed Racers Matthew... Um, Perry. <laughs> <laughs> Are you not going to tell me the deed save? I don't think I remember it. Uh, he hasn't done much since, so what was You spent name? the entire Speed Racer episode talking about how stoked you were for a Matt something well, that was when the movie came out a thousand years ago so all right well this is while in- lost interesting was listening um anyway uh today we're going to be doing goodwill hunting matthew um, perry there are so many ways that we have to get into this movie and things that we have to talk about and elements that we have to dissect and break down into their various pieces but first I wanted to read you just my general reaction, which I decided to commit to writing so it would be as eloquent as possible. Wouldn't have to think about it in the moment. Um, I'm sure this won't upset me at all. A stunning portrait of genius coming to light from the most unlikely places. The stirring and beautiful story of an orphan whose unparalleled smarts, gumption, and skill are constantly tested by rough upbringing and various vices attached to a tumultuous life spent in a hopeless orphanage. We are given unparalleled access to a brilliant mind and are shown the various inner workings and machinations of true profound genius. We understand our beautifully featured yet innocently faced protagonist who finds in their journey a sharp mind can truly cut both ways. 10 out of 10, that is my review of The Queen's Gambit. (laughs) Great show. 10 out of 10. Yeah, five. Goodwill Hunting, not so much for me. Okay. Lots of ways I want to get into this one. Yeah. As I mentioned, I cannot. Well, no, I'll let you. I'll let you do your thing. I, I want. I just want to make it yeah. known that Cat also had never seen Goodwill Hunting. Mm. So that was we discussed afterwards. Why don't you tell there, me what she thought? There was a very different lens to view it. Okay, well, let's get something straight before we start arguing. Yeah, and that is that I have never seen Goodwill Hunting. Right. You know what I mean? It had no effect on me. All of the pangs of time and, you know, things that could age poorly and actors that may have been one thing once and a different thing now. None of that is going to cling to me on this watch because I just had never seen it. Um, For those reasons, 
there are a lot of things that made it a profound success in terms of Academy Awards and all sorts of shit like that, mostly due to the fact that Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were being presented as the two new, like, wonder kids of Hollywood. Yeah. Um, now, retrospectively... Right. Um, There's I, a lot of baggage to watch this film with. Yeah, sure. I mean, me more than anyone who's currently running a five-day-long badgering of Ben Affleck in the rental zone. Obviously, I don't give a shit about Ben Affleck in terms of his old performances. I've now watched ones that have been hailed as good or classic. I think they're all the same. It's all extremely neutral acting, not yeah. terribly interested. However, the good thing is that this movie isn't Ben Affleck's movie. No, not at all. And that as an outsider, for many years, I assumed that it was Ben Affleck and Matt Damon's film. Right. It is clearly not. No. Not only that, it's almost, and I mean within a, a tenth of a percent, almost not even Matt Damon's movie. I would argue that a lot of the emotional arcs are in the peripheral. Mm -hmm. um, Robin Williams, chief amongst them, there's an argument where Robin Williams, if given another 15 minutes of screen time, would have basically been the main character of the movie. Yeah. Um, we watch him go through a profound emotional arc, something that I find good in a movie. He was not the main character, though. Uh, instead, we have Matt Damon, um, turns in an incredible performance um, who is I think you described him to me as what like doe-eyed or something yeah. when you do you're like male <laughs> you like always get into this thing where you're describing the men in the movies we're watching and you, and you put it very well because he is very fresh faced I said he is a doe-eyed stud yes you well, all your descriptions of the male actors in the movie blues movies sound like porno titles no big deal um, there's no dude there's never been a man looking. You're like, oh, Ben Affleck. He was well coiffed. He was looking good in Days and Confused. No, he looks like shit in Days and Confused, but his hair <laughs> is very well coiffed. In this movie, Matt Damon's supposed to be the most rugged character, but his eyes are bluer than the ocean is fucking vast. Right. And, um, you know, I want to start with the positives because that is where our conversation will be most in agreement with each other and that's where I will give you the credit that maybe you would hope as a fan of this movie that this movie would get on this podcast it's due um, and that is upfront great performance by Matt Damon not the performance from Robin Williams that I was particularly expecting I really expected to be really touched by whatever he was bringing to the table and for various reasons uh, including some like forced comedy moments that yeah. were really like, I, and I don't want this to sound hyperbolic, so don't take this too too close to the heart. But some of the worst Robin Williams comedy moments I've ever seen in a movie, yeah, in, in Goodwill Hunting. There, um, I, I and I'll give you on the front end that I hadn't watched this easily since college, right? And now at this age, especially with the way we've been dissecting movies, there I found a lot more flaws in the movie than I ever had Well, let's save that head, for the flaw parts. Robin Williams' performance is much less nuanced than I had remembered it. Um, but I also accent. feel some, some of the dialogue that he was given, no one could have. Right. Well, here's what... Let me... Let me in many ways, what I want to present to you is what I expected versus what I got. Yeah. Um, if he would just say sport less, I'd, I'd feel way spot. better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, his accent, I, I don't want to go too far into it, but everybody in this movie is, is like a different shade of Peter Griffin, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. not in a very researched way, but in just like, a, we're just doing this. Like, we're just going to be just ridiculous about this. And fine for Ben Affleck, Casey Affleck, and Matt Damon, yeah. but uh, they're, troubling they're for Robin there. Williams. Robin Williams struggled with that accent at I, times. I thought he tried to approach it from like a subtler way, like as someone who entered academia. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. I'll give you that. Um, um, but it when he physically was doing it, yeah. you could tell it just... Yeah. He does great Russian voices, Middle Eastern voices. He, he does like really good like European right. characters and things like that. Boston did not work yeah. for him. I mean, the it Boston dialect is the single greatest abomination to the English language that is, or any language that's ever happened. It is the <laughs> worst. Of, if if you bad. take the deepest, deepest part of Queens mixed with the deepest part of Brooklyn and the excessive way that they elongate vowels, that is like goddamn Shakespearean compared to what your average person on the streets of Boston sounds like. Right. And, um, you know, I, I don't really fault the movie for that and, and, and Robin Williams' performance for that. I want to kind of hold off until we get into the flaws to talk about what ultimately did not work for me with his performance. But at the end of the day, it still was a good, I, I live to see just solid dramatic performances from him. Yeah. So like who is going to complain? I'm not one of these people that's like, fuck Jumanji, fuck that stupid. Like I, any movie with Robin Williams in it, yeah. even world's greatest dad. Yeah. It's fucking Robin Williams. I, I'm, I'm not okay. here to I tell anyone. I like, no. Rob, I like world's greatest dad. Um, other than that, mini driver is hot. Fine. I, Duh. Okay, we're Mini cool with that. Mini Driver is otherworldly. <laughs> Smoking. Yeah. Um, Smoking. Thank you. Yeah, I shouldn't be doing that with my condition. Um, when I was a when I was a kid, I had no idea who Mini Driver was, and I saw this movie, and I was feeling. I always confused her with that Southern-ish actress who's the girl in Multiplicity. Who's that? Not Mini Driver. It's. Um, Oh, she's like not Mini Driver uh, from Multiplicity. Um, uh, <clears throat> anyway, um, uh, so uh, okay, she was good in it. Um, Stellan Skarsgård was very good in it. Yeah, as he is in fucking yeah, he's everything. Capable of not being. Fantastic. He's a flawless actor. Yeah, he is. He's great. Top shelf. And he was young in this. Recently, kind of looked a lot like his son. It was freaking me out a lot when I was watching it. Yeah, he recently. Uh, well, I recently saw him depict. Um, star of the movie blues podcast um who, who, who Werner Herzog on, mm. on Entourage hell yes brother yeah so everyone watch Entourage um anyway um here's the thing <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård playing fucking Werner Herzog is so fucking unhinged in that show I, I need it's to, so yeah, funny I need to see that um I mean, I have seen it. I just don't. Like, like, you are not a real actor. I have a new lens to view these <laughs> things through. Was who made a better Werner, me or him? Be honest. It's him, bro. He's okay. fucking He's still Skarsgård. I forgot. I'm just. And a, going way back podcaster. to uh, episode three yeah. of the Movie Blues podcast, I did a quick review of uh, the the Breaking the Waves film mm. um, by your boy Lars von Trier, um, starring starring Stellan Skarsgård. Uh, where he is a disabled man trying to get his wife to be a prostitute so that he can live vicariously through her stories. Oh, I need to see that. 
Yeah, that is. That's maybe tonight's watch for me. Harrowing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, you know, uh, fuck, man. I can't, I can't, that's it. That's all I got. That is it. As far as positives? That is, those are my only positives. Okay. Performances, not even characterization, just performances. Okay. Good. Dialogue, serviceable but deeply flawed in an intellectual angle during any scene where there's actual professionals talking to each other because there's no information provided to back up any of it. And, um,. Uh, maybe we should get into it. Dan, do you want to say your positives? You want to say like why you love the movie before I say what I fucking really disliked about it? Um, well, when I was younger, it was the first time I had seen Robin Williams in a serious film, and I really enjoyed that. Um, it That's was disqualified. It had I had never seen Ben Affleck in a serious film, and I was flabbergasted that someone of his intellectual stature was mm. capable of co-writing this movie. <laughs> um, I just found it to be a compelling story. I, um, I found it, you know, I, I found the emotional beats strong. I liked all the performances quite a bit. I thought it gave a good picture into a world that I knew nothing about, which is the fucking miserable area that is just mass hole central. Um, and Mini Driver was killer, and I thought the general premise was very nuanced and compelling of, like, this wonderkind genius who mm -hmm. can't get out of his own way. Sure. Um, the soundtrack is 10 out of 10 incredible, um, featuring Oscar winner Elliot Smith throughout. Big fan of Elliot Smith. There's some Dandy Warhols in there as well, but it's predominantly all Elliot Smith. And um, I, um, I really like the scene where Ben Affleck is acting as uh, Matt Damon's proxy in a meeting. That was the dumbest <laughs> fucking scene. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. That was a car literally a scene from a cartoon. Yeah, I thought it was so. I still think it's so funny. Retainer. Anything else, Dan? <laughs> I mean, what can be said about Good Will Hunting? It's been, it's been said now in, you know, with uh, my current cynical lens on it, mm. I, I see the emotional manipulation of it. I see the, um, mm. the typicality of the pacing of it and the beat by beat way that it's presented. Mm. And um, parts of it look a little dated. The scene with them sitting by the ducks which is like the pivotal change in matt damon's character arc where robin williams is talking forever he's like well i could ask you about love and you'd probably quote sonnet best but in my opinion that was the best dialogue in the movie yeah and that's the, and even that was never mind that, no that's <laughs> that's the scene that's always held it yeah that yeah. heralded as okay. like what makes this movie what it is especially as robin williams goes but sure. now with my hypercritical lens, I see that I, I couldn't not think that nobody speaks like this in monologues of this length. Right. Um, and there is a lot of Robin Williams character that is just so prepared to rapid fire back flawless monologues that in a way that I found irksome hmm. um, in a way that like, you know, as it went, when I was younger, I was like, this has just like a nice like indie film vibe where now a lot of things have been lifted from this film and done to death in a way that I can't 
not be cognizant of that and it's hard to watch robin williams spout philosophy knowing that he killed himself it's hard to watch ben affleck and matt damon as the earnest kids who wrote this movie and were the new wonderkins of hollywood knowing what their career trajectories have been batman but like the guy in the lawyer suit scene right was is now batman yeah yeah (laughs) hard to guess and just like Casey Affleck fucking stinks you in know, this movie. I believe it or not, all of the things that you just listed are true, but none of them are my problems with this movie. Really? Um Okay, so let's get started on that then, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I guess the best way to do this is I'm gonna tell you what I walked in expecting. Yep. And exactly where my head was at the whole time. Okay. Because I wanna uh, confirm and dissemble any rumors that like I went into Goodwill Hunting to hate it. Um, there are movies and examples. Speed Racer is a good one where I can walk into something, even though I had already seen it. So maybe not the best example, but where I can walk into something and like want to hate it. It works. I hate it. <laughs> Everything works out great. Goodwill Hunting, I always assumed was a good movie or a great movie, even. Um, for so many reasons. Um, my assumption was walking into it this time that maybe I would find it, like you said, dated maybe, or maybe I would find it, um, like that the, the, you know, maybe the monologuing bogged things down or it felt like Oscar baiting or it felt like emotional manipulation. Those, I could see arguments for all of those being kind of like the, the, like plebeian like level one film critique knocks on goodwill hunting i feel as if i've dug a little bit deeper but i've never read a review of goodwill hunting i've never you know had a conversation in my life with anyone about goodwill hunting so this is going to be it for me like in terms of my take and what worked and what didn't like, excuse me i'm switching vapes oh yeah was a little disposable style one wait is that a is that a magic vape? Is that magic weed? Is that magic nicotine? I mean, juice? it's magic for me. Um, and that it gives me twice as much nicotine as the other one. So I'm going to I'm gonna tell you how I walked in with it. I, I was hoping maybe I would hate it yep. for the sake of the podcast, yep. of course, and because of the hate campaign, half exaggerated and half true that I've run against Ben Affleck. Um, again, Ben Affleck wasn't the problem. He played, I would say, the same character he plays in most of these movies we've watched for this podcast specifically. He was yeah. like his character from Armageddon. He was like his character. I'm, and, and his s- best moment is at the end when he gets to walk up to the door and find out that <laughs> Where Matt Damon actually isn't yes. there. And he gives his little side smirk, the signature Bro. Ben Affleck side smirk, which is like the exact <laughs> extent of his acting range is being able to have like a a moment of mild confusion and clarity at the same time and give one of these just like a... Yep. Yeah. That's like... But I would say that while that moment was happening, I was like, oh, here comes Affleck's Blue Steel. This is like the movie, the the moment in this movie, he's been working up to serving the look of being like, God damn, he did leave and make something of himself. And okay, he serves the first look. It's classic Affleck. It's the side smirk, exactly what you did. But then there's like... His like shoulder positioning and other looks. And as he's walking away, he's like doing more looks. Like yeah. it was like a, I was at one point going to actually count how many <laughs> separate gestures. gestures he did Ending in that moment. With... I was like, oh, 
Oh, okay. What? Oh, now what are we? Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Okay. Okay. See you later. Okay. Like he's literally like going down the steps. Like it, it got to be like insane. Um, so yeah, uh, I walked in, uh, thinking, okay, here's going to be this kind of like maybe American beauty in terms of it's being like a very serious drama, something that is, is very smartly written because here I am for years hearing the screenplay to Goodwill Hunting written by these two geniuses. And like, okay, so I'm expecting some heavy math in there. I'm expecting a window into the mind of a genius. This is why I read my review of Queen's Gambit up front because that is a show where you are constantly shown how a genius mind operates. It's like, as literal as her looking at the ceiling and you can see the chess pieces moving. But beyond that, it's reflected in how she looks, how she dresses herself, how she acts at all times. It is a nuanced performance at all levels. It's completely... Well, Ben, have you ever played a piano? Um... <laughs> this is what I'm saying, okay? Is that... Is that uh, there are other shitty movies like A Beautiful Mind. Same exact thing as this in the sense of... Not a shitty movie. Good movie. In the sense of like, this is potentially a shitty, shitty movie morally as well. Offended the people who made it, who actually lived through it. It was completely wrong telling of his life. They were very upset about it. They did great service to him. It was a complete whitewash. It was stupid. Um, however, <laughs> that movie, much like this one... Um, uh, that offers you this insight to his mind that is unparalleled. They do it through abstract ways. They do it through all sorts of genius ways. So I'm like, okay, we're going to find out about this crazy Matt Damon character that's so infamous. And and then, oh, we're going to meet Robin Williams. My expectation is that he and Matt Damon are going to have these deep conversations. I don't mean like deep as in like, oh, like they're really hitting emotional beats. Deep as in like, well-researched, really interesting points, like very interesting interweaving of psychology and, um, you know, movie making of an emotional variety that just like is genius. And that is what I walked in hoping for and assuming would be the base level of what I was going to get. That is not what I felt as if I got. I felt as if I got a, a romantic comedy in its construction and execution. You have a character from a rough upbringing who has a goofy bunch of side friends. You have a girl who's better than him, who goes to college and is super smart. They have a falling out. They have a love period. They have a third act twist. They have a, is he going to make it to the airport type scene? It's all there. Yep. It's all in the script. Um, I did not realize it was going to be a romantic comedy. So that was a huge, from a structural perspective, disappointment to me because you have this element of Matt Damon is a, is a genius. They show him do only a few real things in the movie of genius caliber, but they're done so quickly and with such confidence that you're like, and okay, we have a guy who they, you know, Stellan Skarsgård, they say over and over again, he's won an award and blah, blah, blah. And so that guy is terrified of Matt Damon. Yeah. That is how smart Matt Damon is. In the movie, you are not only almost never shown how his genius operates. It's just, I know everything. Uh, there's no pathos. There's no reasoning behind it. There's no effect on his looks, his personality. He's a gorgeous looking man who struts around, is in perfect shape, knows absolutely everything in the world. We never see if he has a book collection. We never see really his room, anything about him that would express what kind of character he is. Um, it is they a show him reading one of his 
initial therapist books and he tosses it on a pile and you see that there's just fucking books everywhere right okay but i would argue that his character is more showing it than it is telling i mean more telling than it is showing sorry um it's it's a whole movie of him being this edgy genius and i never once felt as if i was privy to what that genius could really do other than just kind of be a dick to people and rub it in, in <laughs> people's faces and make his woman feel bad. And his, his abilities could have been shown in some way. And the fact that they offered no pathos, nothing to, I'm waiting for the entire, I mean, I think it's trying to show what it's like from his perspective, which is that like, yeah, he's a genius, but like, he doesn't give a fuck. He just happens to be that way. And him being it, it a genius causes a bunch of fucking strife in his life because he just wants to fucking chill at home and fucking lay brick. But that is a boring movie to me. To me, if you have a card in your deck and that card is you have the smartest man alive in your movie, to never show him get a get a job and and use that talent, to never have him use those smarts to do anything if you were to take the fact that Matt Damon is a genius out of the movie and instead replaced it with he's an amazing baseball player. Right. Same movie. Well, I think it shows There's a no, lot about his personality. It's a, it's about the character It's a character study. study. About, it's a slice like, of life character study romantic comedy. His interview with the NSA where he's given his reason of why he shouldn't work for the NSA, like that sums it all up. Like he sees his, his sure. genius as more of a curse than anything. I understand that, but I was never never really saw that. I never saw him as a child being the smart one and the consequences of that, what he achieved in his youth, other than them being like, he has a big rap sheet. He went to jail 14 times. Other than that, there's effectively nothing that you know about this guy. And I would argue by the end of the movie, especially with the twist being that he abandons the job that they spent bait and switching the entire fucking last third of the movie in the that. last 10 I, seconds I love that. to do the most base level screenwriting move imaginable to just be like, I'm just going to do the airport driving to go see the girl instead moment. It's just, I, I really was... Um, I love that because him deciding to take the job is a total betrayal of the character that you've been presented with the no, entire time. But it's I'm a total the viewer. Sellout mood. It's a total sellout mood. But that's what you would it's, say. It's what you would... It's that's what, what Ben Affleck it's, would it's say. It's what you expect from the movie. I like that it did a little bait and switch. Like, you don't get it. Don't worry. It's not your fault. It's it's just... It's, Dan, it's not your it's fault. It's pandering. It's, it's not your fault. It was like for... It just seemed like it was... It really honestly was an immature movie. Son, it's not your fault. <laughs> I don't, it's not going to work. And not only that, that was the stupidest moment too. That literally was like the apex of the entire thing. It's just, and the, my other issue with it being the way that I just set all of that up is that all of the therapy, quote unquote, in this movie and conversations between Matt Damon and um, Robin Williams feel like they're written by Ben Affleck. And yeah, Matt Damon. I mean, the reality is like, Robin Williams is not a great therapist. He's able to get through to Matt Damon because he, he's he strangling him in the he, first he, session. He doesn't strangling give a fuck. him. It's because they're fucking from the same the same block, and he's able to relate to him on a personal level. And he was also abused as a kid. He's a community college teacher, and like rightfully so. Like just relax, you mathematical dick. Um, it's surface level intellect all around. Masquerading over the movie a is romantic a comedy. Yeah, the movie is a critique on severe intellect 
Yeah, it. Yeah, and that goes both ways because the dummies who wrote it obviously couldn't think <laughs> any deeper than structuring it like you would structure a Kevin Smith movie, which this he produced and was also produced by Lawrence Bender, who produced almost every Quentin Tarantino movie. And I expected more out of the reputation and supposed intellect of this movie. It just felt like another early 2000s, like a teenager would think Came that out this in the 90s. is... A teenager would think that this is mature. That is how it played to me. It was only surface level. And that is the case. I mean, like I said, when I was a kid, I felt very differently about it. Right. I found it exceptionally mature and engaging watching it today. I Or yesterday, as the case not. may be, I saw a lot more of the shallow nature of it. Um, I think in terms of what, like, indie flicks were at that time, like, it, it, was, it was a little bit of ahead of its time with its degree of character study i think that gus van zandt had already made movies at that time better than this movie and really hate that he directed this movie because i think that this is one of the most shallow and two-dimensional movies i've seen from him i I don't know there's quite a few of his pictures that i don't like at all that's fair they're not meant to be liked some of them for sure i used to really enjoy i used to enjoy elephant but not because it was a good movie because I really liked the way that they filmed it at the time I just was like really into camera movement yeah and I found it compelling to watch and and I thought it was a real experience to see in a theater other than that I mean it's not a movie yeah it's more just a and I think I went (laughs) I went to a film camp like a couple months later at Penn State and was like trying to do similar tracking stuff I did not (laughs) um, achieve that but um yeah, I mean, I just, you know, it needs to be said that it's just like... Is that it, what you want, Skyla? Is it? If this is like a movie that people walk around and saying like, this is one of the greatest movies of all time, this is this, this is that, hyperbole, I don't think any hyperbolic statement should be affixed to this movie, positive or negative. It is not like a three or a four in terms of like being a bad movie that was not made correctly. It's also not a nine or a ten. It's not, yeah, no. <laughs> definitely not for me but um i enjoyed like parts of it in spits and furts it was a good drama at one point in the early first hour of it because this movie is entirely too long for a movie that almost reaches no conclusion for any of its characters until the last 15 minutes um in that first hour i was like this is what i thought it was this is good this is good and then he had his first meeting with robin williams robin williams choked him out and i was like this is getting a little absurd. Then they had their first real meeting and it was like, this feels like it's written by a very young person trying to act as if they're an adult. But then there's some, that was maintained. Then there's some good baseball. Is there some good baseball? Yeah. There's the whole scene where he's reenact. He's explaining how he met his wife and he's going through the whole series, the whole, um, Boston Red Sox world series. game. Great moment. Great monologue. Love, love some good baseball. Good acting going on all around. Um, not Casey Affleck. But. No, Matt Damon's um, acting as far as his laughter in response to Robin Williams telling the story about his wife waking herself up farting is <laughs> the, probably the most forced laughter I've ever seen. It's psychotic. There are there are performance moments in this movie that are bizarre. Yeah, and not sure. and not in a positive way. Um, and if this was after we watched all of these Ben Affleck movies this year going to be the movie that well, I was like, okay, this is why he is who he is. This was not it. 
he's barely in it, A. And when he is in it, he's being a But one could say that doofus. that's a fucking, one of the most self-aware career choices he's ever made was to write this yeah. movie and barely put himself because in Because like it. we've established at this point, the man has two modes and that's like self-deprecating goofball and like drunk person. Yeah. His latter career is only drunk person. His early career is full of New Jersey slash Massachusetts goofball. I mean, art reflects reality, Dan. I mean, acting is not supposed to be that, though. I'm pretty sure that is not how acting works. He is a bad actor, Dan. And I want to hear you say it. He is a bad he's a mi- actor. He's a middling actor. He's a bad... I had to lower from Christian Bale, God, God bless his soul, my good, Saint Christian. Good actor. All the way down to Mark Wahlberg, and he's getting flogged. <laughs> literally flogged by Mark Wahlberg for acting. Yeah. He's a bad... I just need you to ben just Affleck say... Ben Affleck is surely a better a actor than Mark actor. Wahlberg. Bad. No. Actor. He's just fine. He's the best bad actor alive. Not even that. I can't even give him no. that. He's, he's, he's as bad actor. as you could be to be starring in Hollywood movies. I think he just is in stupid movies. <laughs> I think he is stupid. I think he's good in Chasing Amy. I think all of Chasing Amy is bad, and that's goofball again. Great in Dogma. That is maybe one of his best roles ever, for sure. I'm not saying he's never been good. I love him in Gone Girl. I like that. I walked into Gone Girl wanting to hate it because he was in it, and I thought he was good. And I think that parts of his Batman performance are fine, especially when it was first announced. I was like, this is going to be the disaster of our times. Turns out just the movies were. So he got away semi unscathed from that experience but at the end of the day like they made a complete ass of him there he really it's sad that did you ever see paycheck oh my god paycheck is so bad what an aptly named movie (laughs) (laughs) we should do paycheck paycheck's hilarious like what is the plot again of paycheck that like they put like an atm in his brain what's (laughs) what is the plot i don't remember anymore (laughs) He's a bad actor, Dan. The man has done... He's... You know what he's like? He's like an action star who's never done any action. He's like the acting of an action star, but has never done action. Unless you consider sitting in the cockpit in Armageddon action. Yeah, I just think he's a very middling actor. I just don't think he's bad. bad. Like, he doesn't... His I'm going to edit it together. Can you say... His, can no, you say he's not bad? His acting just doesn't offend me in any way. It's entirely inoffensive. It doesn't need to offend you. There's no offense to be taken. It's like Mark it's Wahlberg art. is a bad, bad actor. Bad art does not offend me. Right. It's just bad. It needs to be stated. It yeah. needs to be told truthfully. And I feel like you're not doing that. No, I think he's believable a- in these roles, and that's good acting. The roles are literally just be yourself, though. <laughs> he's like Steven Seagal, but he's never done a karate kid. <laughs> <laughs> that's like how movies have to cater to him. How many other actors are like that? Name one. Name after all this discussion about Ben Affleck, where you said Christian Bale, that's ludicrous. Casey Affleck and and Matt Damon, that's an unfair compa- comparison. You said who would I you? I did not. I did not say that was. I said yes, that. you did. No, I did not. Yes, you did. You said it was an un. You said this is way more quote. This is way more fair than the last two days. Yes. So what is fair? Who is fair to Ben Affleck? Mark Wahlberg was fair. Okay. Who else? Uh. Like Josh Hartnett. 
Okay, would you say Mark Wahlberg and Josh Hartnett are good actors? I'd say that... You just said, by the way, I, Mark no, Wahlberg no, is a bad I'd actor. Say quote, that jo- I'd, say, I'd say that Josh Hartnett has the capacity to be a decent actor. Josh Hartnett also has range that Ben Affleck does not have. I've seen Josh Hartnett in a show where he's a vampire hunter, where, he's, <laughs> where he was exceptional. Uh, Penny Dreadful on Showtime. Great show. Um, but um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I mean, I, the dude has no... Ben Affleck fine. has no range. He's He's fine. Okay, so we've got fine and middling from Dan. That yeah. is as most I can get, guys. That's it. I won't say he's bad. I don't think he's bad because I, f- I find lo- him because you love the shit movies he's in. <laughs> say it. That is why you think you like him. Detach him from these movies that you enjoy that I also think are bad. Um, I think his performance in Dogma Alone, just when they're in the parking garage, yeah, and he's giving his monologue about wanting to go back, get back into heaven, is a strong enough performance to indicate that he is a solid actor. Okay. All right. Well, now we're going back up to solid, so I need to pull out before this gets any worse. You you might be up to good soon, and I'm going to upset myself. (laughs) So I tried. I tried to get you down on that. It didn't work. Look, Um, we made it through this whole thing without me saying he was the bomb in Phantoms. Was he, though? What is the joke? Because he's just not... uh, The whole movie of Phantoms is unexceptional. That's the joke? Phantoms stinks. (laughs) Like, I've seen Phantoms ten times, Dan. And at no time was he the bomb in it. No. He's, he's actually really bad in it. Yeah. So maybe that's the joke. That's the joke. I get it. Cool. Um, this is it, though. Um, Miramax, here are the group terms. Miramax, Kevin Smith, Ben Affleck. No more on this podcast. For every one that you want to do that includes any of those three, one Marvel movie we will cover. Ever again. Now, when Kevin Smith puts out Clerks 3, Marvel movie. We've devoted more episodes to Kevin Smith than to any other person on this podcast. <laughs> Unequivocally. I mean, how are we just going to watch a Marvel movie? I'm not going to know what the fuck's going on. I will start at the beginning. Cause What's maybe the beginning, Ke- Iron Man? Maybe Kevin Smith will make 23 more movies. What's the beginning, <laughs> Iron Man? No, I'll just show you Thor Ragnarok and have you say you don't like it and you thought it was just okay. <laughs> um no i don't even want you to watch marvel i mean that's that's you know there's certain things that just you know i'm not gonna it's not it's not gonna i just like don't like genre movies like sometimes you do from from time to time but and if it's a good one like for example suicide squad you should watch that so good i know she wants to watch it we're gonna watch it it's unmoored to anything i saw the first one in theaters i fucking hated it oh okay you will love this i think i think I mean, I, I seeing that in theaters is really what sent me on my descent from being indif- indifferent towards superhero movies to being like, I'm so done with the fucking superhero movie thing. And, and you know what, too? You want to hear an even sadder fact than losing you to that struggle? My own wife, because by having to watch some of those DCEU movies, she just hates Batman. She just hates Batman. Yeah, I mean, she there finds- was a time I cared. Like, I liked comics as a kid. I was very excited when they announced that they were developing a Green Lantern movie and then I watched it and I was like I'm gonna kill myself I know you've had a lot of heartbreaks but listen so is Ben Affleck man he did things you yeah, let he, it go he's fucking doing you let right. it go you know what I mean you were there for him when he went through his daredevil moment you know like you're still there for him now you just gotta just gotta get back into it they're man. all just so fucking formulaic that's why I'll show you the ones that aren't okay 
this feels like I'm like a, I'm coaxing a child into there's, a van right just, now. <laughs> there's there's no way that we we don't do an episode on Clerks three. There's just no way. Okay, well, uh, that is fair, and we will do that. But like, I I'm burnt out from this dude. Yeah, no, I like I'm I so burnt you. out from this dude. I'm ready to watch a Fast and Furious movie. I I am also <laughs> done talking about Ben Affleck. <laughs> as far as Miramax goes as a banner, yeah, like. Like what else will we be cutting out? Like I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, there are good Miramax movies, but there's also movies that I think of all the time that I forget that Miramax made. It's like, just... does that mean Dimensions out of the picture? Like... No, Dimensions good. Okay. I was watching Scream an hour ago. Bob's um, all right. Bob gets a pass. Dan, when I see the names Kevin Smith and Harvey Weinstein within within ten seconds of each other on my TV, I just get like. <laughs> Uh, it's like I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like I feel terror. So much. you you don't want to watch Catch and Release? No. The Jennifer Garner. Um, no. Timothy Oliphant romantic <laughs> comedy in which Kevin Smith plays the best friend. <laughs> I've seen that movie. <laughs> and no, I don't want to do that. But uh, all right, Timothy uh, okay. Oliphantastic. I will. I'll. I'll add this addendum, and that's. I will watch a movie that Kevin Smith acts in <laughs> as long as he didn't produce, write, or direct it. All right, Southland Tales is on the so table, I'm keeping, boys. keeping Southland Tales on here for you. Southland Tales is on the table, boys. It's always on the table, but I'm waiting for this huge cut or something, right? Yeah, What's the deal? I'm waiting for that shit, too. So when that comes out, then we'll do it. A four and a half hour cut. I'm ready. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Southland Tales, man. <laughs> I'm, like uh, the fact that you haven't seen that, I've seen Southland. You have, of course. Oh, I thought you had. We've seen talked it. about. It. Yeah, okay. we've talked about. Well, it. Um, so I've I saw it in theaters because okay. I was a massive Donnie Darko fan. Right. And like, I remember at the time being like, I'm bummed that The Rock is in this. I don't understand <laughs> why The Rock. The is Rock's in this. eyes in that movie <laughs> 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 fucking roll. <laughs> Um, and then I saw it when I was working at Blockbuster. I rented it a few times and watched like all the the anticular shit yeah. that Robert Kelly put on there. And I was like, yeah, still not really for me. It's it's a little speed racery where it's just like, oh, I something's being done, right? But is any of it working? Right? Questionable, subjective. Um, so maybe I think a rewatch is due for that for sure. I um, have no idea. If Southland Tales is actually good. Like, I have no idea. I haven't seen it since I was 14, probably. It is not. <laughs> but but it's a lot. Yeah. And sometimes it, a movie I, can ambitious be... ambitious as all fucking hell. Sometimes a movie can be a lot, but also bad. And it's also I like mean, a movie with so many convoluted storylines that the studio cut an hour and a half off of. So, like, it just makes no fucking sense. I'm just thankful that character was played by The Rock and not Ben Affleck. What the fuck has... Like, what happened to Richard Kelly? Uh, he's just like reissuing Donnie Darko over and over again. I told you about the really deluxe version that I bought. Yeah. Um, that came with some really stellar shit. Pictures, all sorts of shit. Talk about some dudes who just like fucking just destroyed their goodwill in Hollywood. (laughs) What's, uh, the name of the dude who made, uh, Primer? Um, you know what I'm talking about? I don't know his name. Um, I'll come up with it at some point while you're talking, but that dude just like fucking fucked himself out of Hollywood. Um, uh, what was I talking about? 
in the middle of a thought. So, something Karamuth? Uh, so I got the DVD. Shane Karamuth. Made Shane Karuth. Karuth. There it is. Got it. Wow, my brain is Crushed a waste, wasteland of information that I don't need. Um, and um, <laughs> didn't he make another movie too? Was that the one with the pigs? Um, yeah, he made he made one more movie. Up, Upstream Color. Yeah. That movie was fucking crazy. And then he dumped like so much money into this fucking other movie that was supposed to be made that like they made a trailer for that looked fucking like a spec trailer that looked ridiculous. And they just like shut the thing down because it was gonna cost like three hundred million dollars to make. Um. So, uh, Goodwill Hunting. Um, <laughs> I had some notes. Did you have any notes? No. You said you took three notes. Have you shared all of them? I think took, at this point? I, I took one note actually, and it's it was already addressed. It's fine. I've seen the movie enough. Can we uh take a pause? Sure. You need to do the peepees. Yeah. I can't talk too long. I gotta poo. All right, all right. Um, all right, so um, <laughs> a couple interesting things off the bat. I'm just going to share with you some notes. This is interesting as a piece of historical information because this is somebody who's never seen Goodwill Hunting okay. live reacting to some of the things that happened in it. Yep. Um, so uh, I wrote, um, we open with bad font over emotionally sappy music. The score is like Danny Elfman-esque. And then as I was typing the E of ask it came on the screen danny elfman music yeah um that brings me to my 50th of many complaints is that beyond elliot smith's trite dated score fuck you you had danny elfman doing like his edward scissorhand <laughs> shit which was so fucking out of whack it made me feel so confused so many times in the movie it would be like matt damon's just like having a conversation with someone in the background it's just like oh 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 it's like christmas bells ringing it was <laughs> it was insane like and my ear picked it up within 13 seconds of the movie i was like is this danny elfman yeah. doing the score here um elliot really, smith has never done anything trite uh, his inclusion of it in this the movie, the music by itself I'm used to literally listen to Elliot Smith uh, Nick Drake all the time and think about killing myself but my ultimate takeaway was that it just felt like very dated to have that in there it was like Garden State-esque in its dated just dated nature like just immediately gave the vibe of the exact moment it was made and yeah. I just don't appreciate that ever even did if you ever it is see, um, Smith. did you ever see Elliot Smith performing the song the main song from it on the Oscars no he was like you know Elliot Smith very reserved fucking introverted junkie and um, I believe um, the song the one, the one song from the picture won best uh, best song from a movie that year too. Good for and him. he performed it at the Oscars, and he looks fucking miserable. It's just him by yeah. himself with the acoustic guitar on He's stage. No, he was known to be very cheery, dude. Up until that, just last a dude moment. who's fucking ready just to, like, just ready like this go. is not what my career was supposed to be. <laughs> it was me performing at the Oscars? Yeah, to a it's fucking dark, stupid movie. Um, yeah, and <clears> then he anyway was murdered shortly thereafter. He did not kill himself. Oh, he didn't kill himself. That man was murdered. Is that another one of your conspiracy theories? Um, I've looked at the evidence. (laughs) 
I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. Oh, wait. So it's not like legally he was murdered? No, legally he committed suicide. Oh, okay. Fuck the, you then. The whole story Dick. and the whole mythos of Elliot Smith. You think Smith. junior sleuth? Oh, yeah. OJ's kid did it. Yeah, it makes perfect no. sense. Yeah, there's mountains of evidence, but like until the court says it, it's the, not true. It, the, the whole mythology of Elliot Smith is that he was so fucking dark that he fucking stabbed himself in the heart to kill himself. <laughs> Yet, the suicide note, he spells his own name wrong. And um, and that's the evidence. There, no, that it, a man about to stab himself in the heart. No, his, wrote his name. His wrong. very tumultuous girlfriend was allegedly in the other room at the time. There is all sorts <laughs> of things pointing to her doing it. Um, mm. The angle at which the knife went in. <laughs> the fact that she's a woman. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the um, yeah, I don't, I don't buy it for a second. Uh, what Matt Damon can't afford a whiteboard? He's just writing on the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wrote Gus Van Sant's artistic sensibilities trying to overtake a story this cliche. And that was like during like a tracking shot of a car driving that looked very folksy and down to earth. Yes. Um, Casey Affleck is on one in this one. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Casey Affleck is ridiculous in this movie. Absurd. You, His ben, little you newsies know, hat. You know, Ben. He's Affleck. like wearing a little Tom Hamilton hat. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Ben Affleck was just like, hey, I'm gonna write my brother in here so we can bully the shit out of. him. Um, <laughs> Casey Affleck's a bad actor. Terribly filmed, worst filmed ever slow mo fight scene. <laughs> um, I've the nev- one on the basketball. Court. I have never seen action <laughs> shot. How that scene was shot, dude. It was that is pedestrian. so That is pure Gus Van Zandt right there. The way that was filmed. That was that like was. it was like trying to be shitty looking. That it was, was like trying to look like a fight scene in kids. That was the worst fight scene so, ever. Yeah, ever. Yeah, it's bad. I bet if you Googled, like, fight scene, basketball court, uh, Goodwill Hunting, there'd be, like, 100 videos of it. Yeah, no, it is quite <laughs> it is, poor. It is an embarrassment uh, on every the filmmaking sl- level. And the slow-mo accentuates it so much. Yeah, I mean, it just made it worse. I mean, I've ne- I just have never seen anything like that. It was harrowing. <laughs> um, poor editing in that scene. Then I wrote, finally a character that can safely match Ben Affleck's dead stare. But I don't know which actor that was referring to. <laughs> was it about the guy who's bullying them in the fucking, in the bar? I don't know. I don't know. Which but... that guy, that guy's haircut, A, is hilarious. And B, the fact that he's supposed to be believed to be college aged is hilarious. Because the guy's no less than 45 years old. <laughs> White trash genius fantasy porn. <laughs> I was just hoping you could explain to me uh, the the governmental infrastructure in Indonesia. Like, who the fuck talks like that? Most obnoxious thing that Matt Damon says to prove he's smart. He's asked to get together for coffee, and he said, it's as arbitrary as getting together and eating a bunch of caramels. Yeah, he's like, well, why don't we just get together and eat a bunch of caramels? It's just as arbitrary, That's right? It's just arbitrary to eat caramels. <laughs> it's like no it's not people sit and yeah, drink coffee drink coffee every... there's no point where there's, anyone sits around there's an entire industry bowl. based around what you're describing yeah there's no one who sits around eating a bowl of caramels it's not comparable at all as they read matt damon his previous literary references in court i realize this is andre's wet dream For any boy who thinks that he's a genius, regardless of his lack of education, success, and attitude problems. 
teacher wants to have sex with Matt Damon to the frustration of the TA. <laughs> that was a great moment. A really weird moment. Yeah, the, the TA, his vibe is fucking off in this movie. <laughs> He's got moose vibes in this. Um, Will Hunting singing Afternoon Delight in a Boston accent <laughs> to a hypnotherapist is like a family guy skit. Did you ever see the uh, the Family Guy? I'm not a Family Guy fan. Um, I but, find it enjoyable at times. Yeah, at times. But did you ever, see, you know, obviously the whole thing is the cutaway. Did you ever see the cutaway of um, of the, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's a cutaway to a scene of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon writing Goodwill Hunting together. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen this? No, I, me maybe. I almost feel like we should pause and you should watch it real quick and then come back. It's like a 15 second gag. It's pretty worth it. You really think this is going to be worth it? Okay. Yeah. So this is um, Good Will Hunting, Family Guy? Yeah. I have seen this clip. I recognize Which, it. So you can be successful writers like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Ah, there, finished. Goodwill Hunting by Matt Damon. Hey, uh, you think we could put both our names on that? What? You've done nothing but eat briars and smoke pot for the last six months. Oh, that's ridiculous. Come on, I I helped. Oh, yeah? Okay, uh, write a line. Just just right now. Just pitch me a line right now. Okay. <laughs> that wasn't a line. You just farted. Are there any more pot? Exactly. <laughs> exactly probably what the reality of that was. Um... <clears throat> Side note, I recently listened to Matt Damon on Mark Maron's podcast discussing that um, they, for the first time since Goodwill Hunting, wrote a screenplay together. The, yeah. The upcoming duel. Ridley Scott, baby. And uh, Matt Damon. They were, <laughs> Mark Maron was asking me, like, is it just like riding a bike, riding with your old riding partner? And Matt Damon's going on about, like, what a genius Ben Affleck is at writing and shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Obviously, too many born movies he, suffered a traumatic break. He's like, he's he's like, you know, back then we were kids. Now we've both had we've both had these long careers with very highs, very lows. But you know, a lot of you know, there's been some shallow filmmaking in there. But this was like really getting back to our roots and just like you know, he's we, we now we've got the intellect with the years of experience. <laughs> We're going to have to do that dual movie for this fucking podcast. Moments where I realized that this movie was written by teenagers. <laughs> when a grown man is speaking to another grown man, one of which is a, a award-winning mathematician, the other of which is a psychologist, about what kind of Indian person they are discussing, if it is, quote, dots or feathers. <laughs> Classic. Also worth noting, because I could, I was thinking about like, yeah, this movie was written by teenagers. Like, what, what other famous movies in the zeitgeist were written by teenagers? And the the other biggest one would be Superbad, right? Yeah, that was. I would I would say Superbad for me is a lot better than so, this, so, this movie. <laughs> these are the directions you can go in: or Goodwill Hunting or Superbad, right? 
super bad is better than goodwill hunting. <laughs> for sure is. <laughs> it for sure is. Uh, this is all making me also want to rewatch Finding Forrester to just like finally be able to separate the two in my mind from each other. Finding Forrester fucking stinks. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it's basically this movie again with different people. Um, Matt Damon has a massive hickey on his neck covered up with makeup scene. <laughs> There's a scene where they're shooting him from, like, the collarbones up. As we all know, I have a big TV. Yeah. <laughs> and this man's hickey is fucking, like, the size of Africa on his neck. It's massive. And it's just covered with, like, it looked like Johnny Depp, Tim Burton paint. Just, like, white flesh paint. It looked like he had been attacked by an animal at I first. Um, do, did you see that? I didn't, but it's like, <laughs> so we've been watching... Um... <laughs> what's the the lego competition show hosted by will arnett you know what i'm talking about no i don't dan um it's i don't on, know the lego competition show there's a lego hosted by will arnett because i'm watching marvel <laughs> lego masters and there's um in the first season there's a gay couple involved and the episode we we're watching last night like so they they're in the bottom two in episode two and they're just miserable and they leave crying and the next episode it comes up and the one guy has the largest hickey on his neck that you can tell they have tried to fucking cover up and it is massive <clears throat> my final takeaway okay robin williams speech to matt damon about emotional experience and passion being more important than ap academic knowledge should be tattooed on Andre's back against his will. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I mean, if it's on his back, then he's never going to read it, so it'll be about the same. All of the people butt-fucking him will be forced to fucking stomach it. And I don't mean his butthole, I mean the tattoo. Christ. Um... Dan, any final thoughts on Goodwill Hunting? I think uh, Goodwill Hunting is a quality motion picture. It's got some solid performances. It's got some solid emotional beats. Um, it is very much. Uh, it's dated to the time that it was made, but um, just an, an enjoyable picture made by some people who went on to have extremely shallow careers. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I uh, and Harvey Weinstein who had an extremely shallow jail cell. And, and Kat said, you know, she loved it, but it, it was tough to watch for the first time, knowing that Robin Williams killed himself, because it Man, makes you a guys are really hung up on that. a lot of the philosophy that he's spouting. It uh, it brings a it brings a little edge, and it's hard not to think about that. I mean, it was easy for me because for me, it just looked like Robin Williams doing a bad accent, playing a character <laughs> that was nothing like him. So, um. You want to give a score? I want you to give a score. You want me to give a score? Yeah. <laughs> I'm always doing everything first. Five. Really? Yeah. Five out of ten golden guns. Five. For goodwill hunting. You, who, with the biggest fucking circle jerk for, Listen, for critical <sighs> consensus this and This is going to be one of those things where this score... So you acknowledge that critical consensus is meaningless. Well, look... It depends, because sometimes things are given critical consensus because of the time that they're in, because of the moment. Um, as you just said, Birth this of a is nation. a movie very much of its moment. Um, I just have to, you know, if I'm going to review it as like a piece of schlock from the 90s and I'm supposed to suspend my brain to somehow make it into an actually good movie, like a seven, 
But if I'm being honest and I'm watching it with the lens that I have to bring into it, because it's the only one I truly have is my brain and it's various malfunctions. Look, let me put it this way. When you compare this score to the other scores throughout the whole podcast, it's going to derail a lot. <laughs> this is what we call a time-breaking moment, where, like, if I were smart, 6.9 it, just to be like, I gave it a shot. But I legitimately thought that this movie was flawed and at points just... Faux intellectual while offering not much narrative action either. Like it wasn't smart and nothing really happened. And it was two hours and 20 minutes long. Um, and normally the way that our podcast works is like if a movie is over an hour and a half, we become furious unless it's worth it and it's right. good. This doing a bait and switch to being a romantic comedy in its final 10 seconds. That's not what I define as worth it. Um, this movie, half of it worked for me. The performances, um, the some of the Boston accents got me off. Um, it just was just... Uh, and, and the thing is, I could have given it a six or a seven had it been a little smarter. But I don't feel bad insulting it because it was written by dummies. So, <laughs> uh, five out of ten. Okay. I'm, I'm going to recommend that everyone go watch this movie with the commentary track featured on the Blu-ray. Featuring Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and Gus Van Zandt. For a real wild time. Um, I'm going to give this movie an 8.1. Um, and uh, yeah, I feel like... That's... It's, al- it's already happening, everyone. Dan giving it an 8.1. He gave Face Off a higher rating. <laughs> <laughs> so like, look, this is just, yeah, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to do like a classic Hollywood emotionally manipulative movie in the in the lens of this podcast right just like if we were to watch et i think there's a huge possibility that you will think it's terrible like that's something that we have to just deal with right and i would expect that if you really disliked et you would give it a fucking five you know what i mean I disliked this movie. I have <laughs> no idea how anyone would want to watch this movie again. That's baffling to me. I'm done with it. Right. Washing my hands of it. All right. Well, let's just wrap up here because I got to go see about a girl. <laughs> oh, how you like them apples? Apple eater. Is that what he said? <laughs> oh, fucking no. Gordon Wood. Are you saying this episode's over? Are you calling it? Yeah. We're done? Do you have more to talk, say? I mean, I kind of want to look at it a little bit. So, like, this means that... Do you not have to go see about a girl? No. (laughs) I mean, I have to let my dog out, and she's a lady. (laughs) No, I guess I have to see about a girl. You want to wrap it up? I I mean, I'm I'm good. I just wanted to do some funny comparisons. No, that's fine. Usually we do the scores, and you're like, get the fuck out. Not not true. (laughs) Paint this as a very abusive environment. (laughs) It's only somewhat abusive. What... What prison do you get free food? It's all of them. Dan treats me like the prisoners in Face Off. (laughs) What, I give you magnet boots? That'd be fucking amazing. (laughs) All right, let's talk before we go. I feel like I'm wearing magnet boots with some of the movies I'm forced to watch. Let's point out some of my hypocrisy or lack thereof. (laughs) Okay. Um, 
in terms of this season, um, apparently, I think the movie The Fanatic, um, directed by Fred Durst, is better than Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, it's not. Um, I think that Armageddon is better than Goodwill Hunting. It is. It's not. Um, I think that Goodwill Hunting is better than Geely and, and uh, Jersey Girl, which it, it most is. definitely is. Um, uh, it is way worse than Simone. <laughs> Which I'm going to stand by because that movie, I think, is uh, an un- underrated gem. But Dan's going to say it's not. Uh, Simone. Come on, S- Simone. S- Simone is fucking pretty awesome. Simone is so good, dude. Come but, on. No, good one. Dick's a better movie. <laughs> <laughs> but only, only by a little bit. Let's look at some of Dan's scores. Okay. Um, Dan uh, thinks that, as we said, uh, Face Off is a point, 1.4 of a better movie than Goodwill Hunting. It's not. Um, now, I want everyone to really take this next one in. Okay. Deep. Take it deep. Dan Enden, co-host of the Movie Blues podcast. They know. <laughs> thinks that Space Jam 2 <laughs> is one point less of a good experience than Goodwill Hunting. That was on my scale of kids' movies. In that podcast, I said in the scheme of movies, Look, it's like a nothing. <laughs> you don't have to defend yourself. Okay. This is about not defending yourself. Okay. Yeah, you know what? Braun did it. Braun brought it. <laughs> that movie was fucking awful, yeah. man. Awful. It wasn't great. How on earth could you have given that a 7.1? Because I was doing it in the scheme of all the other kids' movies we've watched. Okay, uh, just, but, a, just a little bit more. Besides Speed Racer. Just a little more before we go. Just um, an adult picture. <laughs> I think that uh, Jay and si- this is season two. <laughs> now we're going into. I think that Jay and Silent Bob is reboot. Reboot, right? <laughs> Let's get that straight. Reboot is one point seven per uh, points better than Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> any comments on that? <laughs> I told you. I told you this one is just going to be one of those. Okay. I, I didn't like my time in that world. No, thank you. Okay. As I've mentioned. Um, uh, Goodwill Hunting, uh, I found to be one point less of an experience than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Which. Whew, yeah, probably. About there. Once, once upon a time in Hollywood was at least competently made. I'm just thinking of the fight scene. I'm just picturing <laughs> the fight scene between Cliff Booth and Bruce Lee versus the, <laughs> the slow-mo fist fight on the basketball court. Goodwill um, <clears throat> Hunting featured 100% less feet. That is true. Thank God. Really not a fan of feet. I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> People, it's really unfortunate. Uh, Dan Lyons uh, thought that it part two <laughs> it's gonna... I'm trying to I'm trying to separate the two yeah it part two was the awful one yeah it yeah. part two I found to be 1.7 points better than this movie which yeah. I would still insane stick to that in my own guilty pleasure rating but that as like a piece of film history dog it's, shit. <laughs> it's not uh, it's not worth it what about pet cemetery Oh, what was that? Season one? I don't have a season one board. We didn't uh, do boards. 
Well, I, I feel like that was enough. Um, <laughs> disclosure, I, I rated higher than... What about the Fast movie. and the Furious? <laughs> Fast and Furious... Oh, no. This is going to be a problem. Good idea. This is going to be problematic, probably. Um, I found that Goodwill Hunting was 0.6 of less of an experience than Fast Five. <laughs> okay. Dude, I mean, look. Listen, goddammit, everyone. <laughs> We're an eclectic podcast. Yeah. We're not, how did this get made? We're not doing just bad movies. We do do interesting things, and that offsets the scores. Mm. It is what it is. We only Don't do at us. Fuck you. Yeah, we only do scores because it's what you demand of us. Yeah, you need something like that. It's like clickbait. You need the, you need the numbers. Fuck you. Yeah. All right, I'm all done. I, uh... Can we just shut down the rentals? <laughs> oh, you want to shut it down? Let's just close the studio. Uh, let me read you a message I got the other day. I feel like, uh, like I feel like it's at the point where if we just said nothing and we just shut down the rental zone, there are some people who would freak the fuck out. You think so, Dan? Yeah. Let me read you a message, my friend. I don't know if I'm going to include this on air, but what you better. Uh, Friday, three thirty-three p.m. Okay. Can I just tell you, this Facebook community group brings me so much fucking joy on a daily basis. I'm truly grateful for the environment you have fostered. <laughs> contrast I, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. to the guy who accused me of anti-Semitism <laughs> yeah. like four weeks ago. <laughs> I love all the snark, the rivalries, the dipshits, even though they're not dipshits, they just have hot takes. Mm. I actually think it's really special in its own way, and it is the only reason why I actively check Facebook. Wow. And that's from a guy who works in the industry, not Andrew Fisher. Yeah, you said in the industry. <laughs> Get out of your fucking marshmallows, because we're roasting at the end of this episode, baby. Smoking. Um <laughs> anyway yeah that um, message makes me sick shut it down <laughs> so dan um he appreciates the rental zone in his own way um he just doesn't want to share it with anyone but i'm man enough to say that while the ma the rental zone does drive me insane when i started doing all of this nonsense a few years ago would never imagine that i'd have any kind of engagement at that level yeah so i'm just gonna let them kill me here's, here's let them a question use my body like christ <laughs> drink my fucking blood until i can't rate movies anymore i can't review them anymore until i don't want to watch movies ever again until i look at the this massive heap of plastic trash in my basement and just say what have i done and where did it go wrong again dan final thoughts yeah here's the question that guy who sent that message does yes. he listen to the fucking podcast he does okay then you're all right thank you yeah Victor Galvan. Oh, know. it's that guy. I don't know how to pronounce it. All right. Well, that's a very kind message. I wish you would <laughs> post it publicly along with <laughs> in, imploring everyone to listen <laughs> to the fucking podcast. Yes. Because the big problem with the rental zone is the amount of mental strife. Yes. It causes me with the direct inverse relationship to how little engagement with the podcast We have explained created. this paradigm many times, but <laughs> as I explained to Dan... Podcast is always going to be a slow crawl, I guess. We people made the group to promote to. the podcast, not to promote people melting down to us about what kids' movie from the 70s that no one has fucking seen should go against Toy Story. 
Well, don't worry, because I don't ever plan on talking about kids' movies in that group ever again. Yeah, until we fucking do Mac and Me. <sighs> fucking Mac and Me, bro. <laughs> you don't even know. Like, you should... If you knew how whack Mac and Me was, you would not go to the concert tonight. You would just stay here and we would watch it. But my voice can't keep up with that, and I'm going to end up sounding like Val Kilmer soon, so... <laughs> More like Whack and Me, right? <laughs> nice, dude. <laughs> you really... <laughs> baby 